This is Metal Mike, and in this episode, we talk to guitar legend George Lynch. George has got a new album coming out with Lynch Mob, Babylon, on October 20th, and we hear all about it. We also revisit the Lynch Mob debut, and of course, we talk some docket. Check it out. Well, hey, want to welcome you to the 80s Glam Metal cast. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Just uh, spending the morning talking about my favorite subject, me. <laughs> Well, you've probably been talking about Babylon, man. It's coming out uh, on the 20th. Uh, it's great. I've been listening to it. You know, it's classic sounding, but, you know, it's not a retread. Uh, what do you want everybody to hear about it? Yeah, I think that's basically it. Is it's, We didn't try to go back and channel the first record or anything like that. We just uh, we just let ourselves be who we are with, the uh, with you know, we've, we've got a new singer, Gabriel Colon, and, and so... Uh, He's really dictating the direction of uh, of the material. I mean, the fact that he's singing it, and that's great. So it gives us you know a little little fresh shot of of new blood and energy, and and uh, a slightly different direction. But you know, I, I think I don't think people will be disappointed in the record in that it's not you know exact. It's not wicked sensation, but it's but it's also fresh and takes some different uh, get different styles here and there, and you know, different approach. So uh, trying to keep it interesting for the fans without abandoning our core. Sound and, and style. Yeah, I mean, his voice is really cool. I mean, I, re- I really like it. It almost, you know, it's very original. But I feel like there's a slight little Aussie influence in there. It really sounds cool. Yeah. Well, we we went for that actually. Actually, when you mentioned that, and I had forgotten that, but we were kind of using that as a model for him because Gabe is is very young and hadn't done a lot of work in the industry, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so you know, we were we were working with him on different things, and then Ozzy was one of the examples that we use frequently. To give him an idea of what uh, you know, where he might want to go with some of this stuff, and so yes, that that was intentional. And he does have those qualities. I think I think he has some 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 Axl Rose qualities mm-hmm. too. Yeah, definitely. Mistaken. It's very very cool. One of the songs I got to ask you about because right as soon as I heard it, I was like, wow, the song "I'm Ready." I felt like I heard some Eddie Van Halen tribute ode ode to Eddie. Was Eddie thought about when you created that intro? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. I was channeling Panama, man. That's all I was doing. <laughs> well, hey, man, I'm, I'm scoring. I, I I picked up on the Aussie. I picked up on the Van Halen. I, I'm doing all right, George. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could become a you could become the prosecution star star witness. <laughs> in Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. <laughs> oh, man, man. Well, you know what was really crazy? I've been seeing this a lot lately with these albums, anniversaries, you know? Like, I can't even believe it. So that means that the first Lynch Mob is like 33 years ago. Like, does that even seem possible? Because it doesn't seem possible to me. Uh, no. I mean, yeah. I mean, you, it's kind of an unfathomable amount of time think about for for us you know the band i mean it's still we're still on that trajectory <laughs> uh, that continuum of time from that record till now so it's kind of this unbroken thing uh so for us it doesn't seem that long ago you know mm-hmm. still experiencing it you know when you think back at it, i mean well, obviously it had to be kind of liberating at that moment to kind of just do your own thing of course i mean that was kind of the whole point of the exercise was was uh you know i've been 
not that I didn't appreciate Dokken for what it was, but, you know, uh, to me, it was not the band I would have built. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would have made. It ended up being a big old happy accident because it was great and people loved it and, and it worked. So it, that's an indication of maybe my impulses aren't the best impulses to follow because <laughs> regardless, I was al- allowed and the resources at that point because of the position I was in to kind of build my dream band and and write and record my dream album and, and that's what we did. It tended to be, you know, a little bit more bluesier than Dokken ever was. Was that something that you were kinda of holding back on or is that where you saw music going? Where did the where did all that come from, the bluesy side? Well that's what I naturally do. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, I'm a blues guy at heart, really, in a lot of ways, and will always be that. So that informs all my music uh i mean it informs rock and roll that's what rock and roll is is, is born from so it's, it's rock is uh blues and r&b so i i you know i mean to uh, that's just what i was raised with and, mm-hmm. and that's a part of who i am but uh Dokken was not a good vehicle for that bluesy element you know because that's just that's not what we were. We were, you know, Don Scandinavian, and we had this kind of ultra-white kind of thing about us. <laughs> it was fun. And I think that's what set us apart, though, because I had these tendencies to, you know, bring all this more organic, bluesy, kind of greasy stuff into it. Uh, and, and I think that's what made us different than the other, so a, lot of some, a lot of some of the other 80s bands. Maybe. I was able to kind of unleash myself from that, those constraints. Uh, yeah, the world was my oyster, so to speak. So, yeah, of course... Uh, had been a lot of pent up musical frustration, although uh, with Dokken, I mean, I'm, I'm saying that. I mean, it wasn't really frustration. It was just sort of I couldn't really do anything but what I did in Dokken. Mm-hmm. You know, we were in our scope, which is probably a good thing. You don't want to be trying to do something that doesn't fit in a, in a, in a specific project. You know, you go with your strengths. And uh, but when I was uh, when I was those constraints were, you know, I was able to kind of open up my my musical vistas and and actually make those things tangible i was really it was an outpouring of just musical ideas it's pretty had been uh, sort of pent up you know i feel like a lot of the risks that you do in docking and even some of the stuff you do like in the end machine it, they're kind of dark like you you can do your i mean I, I feel like you really do some dark heavy riffs minor type stuff where does that come from is that like sabbath uh, where, where does this dark uh, heavy stuff come from well you know it comes from everything i mean i you know i was very fortunate to be coming up as a guitar player with my first bands and everything and, and, and pre-band age and all that stuff you know you know the great great rock seminal rock bands of history you know that we've all built everything on on edifices of that you know so like sabbath as you said i mean zeppelin cream hendrix uh, everything it was all those were those records were just these were bands we discovered that like nobody had heard of like have you heard of this band uh, you know uh, they're called Led Zeppelin. There's a blimp on the cover on fire. I was like, why not? <laughs> and you go there and, you, and, you, and it's a lot of work. You know, you got to get the money and then you got to buy it. And then you got to walk all the way there and walk home. And then you listen to it. It's like this treasure. You know? But yeah, Sabbath, of course, was a gigantic, gigantic influence on us. And, um, you know, but so has everything since then. Everything since then has been an influence on me. I've listened, you know, uh, and, and, uh, and absorbed influences, of, uh, everything from you know R and B and blues to the Beatles to the British Invasion and to everything that's been come and gone since. 
up to contemporary. <laughs> I still listen to shit on the radio, and I'll I won't even know what it is. And I'll you know I'll listen to it. I'll have an effect on me, and possibly incorporate that in some semi-conscious way in my repertoire or what I do. So I'm not really uh, I never copied anything verbatim per se. I'm not really capable of doing that, but I. I, I'm influenced by everything. So, you know, I mean, I love stoner music. I mean, I was talking to uh, Jan, our bass player, the other day about this. And, he, well, you know, when I'm left to my own devices, really at the, at the heart of it, I think I'm, I'm a stoner. <laughs> I, I love that kind of music. I, I listen to that and I identify with that because that's basically when I was in my, you know, my teens and my, my later teens and my band at that time. That's what we played naturally. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was in the early 70s. But we weren't, there wasn't a name for it, but we were listening to Sabbath all the time and we were kind of blues based and we just, that's, we jammed and that's, we just come up with these big old jams and that's, if I listen to it now, I go, well, that's stoner music. That's what we play. <laughs> Don't have Caius or Sleep or whatever, you know, all these different stoner bands, which I love. I don't know how much about them, but, you know, I, I do love the genre. That's what I identify with, actually. Well, it makes sense, man. Well, a lot of strange coincidence. I think I had Don on the podcast for about maybe two weeks ago, and uh, he said Wicked Sensation is a great song. He, he uh, Did you know that he liked that song? Not really. Huh? I, I, I couldn't imagine somebody hating it for any reason. <laughs> I mean, it's, not, or it's not my favorite song. I mean, you know, it's kind of a little too swingy for me, you know, uh-huh. to play it because it's a, our big song, but it's a good song. Yeah. Well, Don liked it. And I think a lot of people think, you probably heard this before, everybody says if Doc and could have stayed together to, you know, to 1989 and, and, you know, did it a studio album, you know, they could have been, you know, maybe a multi-platinum band. Do you ever think that maybe, you know, if you merge some of the ideas that you were trying to do with what he did, you know, like on uh, the Up From The Ashes, do you think that Dokken would have broke through that, you know, the end of the 80s, like multi-platinum, or do you think that it wouldn't have mattered either way? Well, no, I think our our, our, our lack of success going forward beyond the 80s was to the to our personal uh, idiosyncrasies, not anything to do with our music. Mm-hmm. Our music, who knows where it would have went, but, uh, you know, we're all still sort of chemistry and we're capable of playing our instruments well and and and, and composing music so you put all that together that that was easy mm-hmm. you know staying together was the hard thing <laughs> <laughs> is That's, there is there an album that that you uh gravitate to out of the doc and catalog i mean do, is there a certain one where you say yeah that was our shining moment or do you like all of them what, which one do you gravitate to i don't have a particular one i gravitate to i would say anything tooth and nail to to you know uh uh under lock and key, uh, back of the attack, they all have their their kind of charm and and and, and things about them that I like. You know, I have a, you know, tooth and nail and under lock and key would be to me the the height of the band's energy. Mm-hmm. You know, I think started to wane a little bit after that. I think um, started you know uh, our edginess and passion and angst were kind of you know ebbing a little bit because we're becoming rock stars. <laughs> <laughs> When you when you look at the songwriting, I think that's a misconception. I think I even had that was like, oh man, Don Dokken had a, a credit on like every song. When you look, I think like Tooth and Nail. I think you you and Jeff and maybe you Jeff and Mick like wrote half the songs. Oh no, no, we wrote almost everything. I mean, yeah. we no, there was a point where the manager. This is always a thing with Don. He he goes off about how he wrote it. That's bullshit. You know. It was, <laughs> Jeff and I, and, and Don and, and Jeff wrote some things, and Don wrote a thing, something on his own here and there, but and important songs. But the bulk of the material was written by Jeff and I, and that, that's just the truth. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, and even the lyrics and the melodies and the titles were, were you know, I, I Jeff and I joke all the time. It was a thing called uh, the TV Guide. And I would get all my titles and, and, and then the lyrics obviously flowed from the titles from TV Guide. So you look into a lot of those early records, they were either reworked Exciter songs or st- new stuff that Jeff and I wrote, sometimes with mixed help, and then would end up with in, in, with Don too, would collaborate with Don at the end of the process. Uh, but for 90% of the material, that was the case. And and uh, and these titles were out of the TV Guide. They were movies. <laughs> On Tooth and Nail and the, and the record after that, a lot of these were, uh, I think especially Tooth and Nail, I think it was all TV Guide titles pretty much. Oh my God, um, that's crazy. Without warning, tooth and nail, and heaven comes down, don't close your eyes. Those were all movies. I remember looking at the TV guys, seeing the names of those movies. You know, these are old movies usually. Oh, that's a cool name. I'm naming the song. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. <laughs> so it flowed from that. Mm-hmm. So tooth and nail was me and Mick and Jeff sitting around, just going tooth and nail. Okay, we're right around the streets and start a fight. You know, silly fucking lyrics, but whatever. Right, it right. Worked at the things like that. Uh, don't close your eyes. That was don't close your eyes, and I'll be there. I remember having that that whole hook and that melody, and everything in my head, and uh, we based it on that. Heaven comes down. I wrote that. I spent a whole night. I stayed up all night. And Jeff had gone home, and we were working in Anaheim at my in my home studio. And, uh, and I got just, I was really frustrated with saw I wanted to finish it. And I, and I, and I had an idea for the, for the heaven comes down, heaven comes down was a movie. Uh, I stole the title from it and then I came up with the lyrics and then I sang it all into a, a harmonizer, uh, octave low. So mm-hmm. it sounded like a devil else echo on it. I was my little Fostex X-15 cassette and I, I've been waiting when heaven comes down. I had this effect on it. I was really, I was really proud of it. And of course, you know, I mean, that got redone and everything, but I can't sing. You've worked with tons of people. I mean, obviously, I don't know how you keep up with all these projects that you do. You've done stuff with Doug Pinnock and Michael Sweet. So who do you want to work with that you haven't? Well, I, I don't know. You know, you don't know if you want to work with someone until you work with them. <laughs> True. Like, I mean, in theory, it might be cool, but then in reality, it might not be so. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, for me, it's all about the singer. Okay. You know, it really is. I mean, I... I'm really a, a fan of vocals and like I listen to sax players, you know, and wind instruments and, 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 and to me, the voice, the human voice is the best instrument, you know, the purest, most direct instrument, you know, from head to heart to ear that, that there is. And so I'm just, you know, I don't listen to guitar players. I listen to singers, you know, Aretha Franklin and, and, and all the art, you know, the great R and B singers and blues singers and the people that are just, really just transmitting the angst of human existence through raw emotion and telling stories, you know, country music, old countries. That's what I love, you know. And I, I'm just trying to emulate that with my guitar and doing a, a very good job of it. That, that's all I do. Um, but I'm a fan of, of singers. And in my head, I can't sing very well. But in my head, I'm the world's greatest singer because I can hear it. You know, I, you know, when I'm writing songs, I'm not writing for guitar. I'm writing for vocals. That's what I'm. That's what I'm trying to get to. I'm just trying to create a bed and a bass. And singers have told me that they go, "You do have a natural sort of innate ability to write 
what I want to hear to give me something to 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 to, to sing to, and that's absolutely true. That's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I noticed that you must you must not get too busy with the kind of things that you do. So you kind of if you have a if you want to have a decent melody going over something, you really can't get very busy with the guitar. It is a challenge. It's a balancing thing. You want to keep it interesting, cool for yourself and the and the listener and the guitar players, and be kind of cool and, and 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 interesting. But at the same time, you need to be basic so you're creating a bed for the vocal to 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 go over. So yeah, it's a it's a it's a kind of a balancing act we mm-hmm. always try to achieve. Well, I'll let you go because I know we're we're pressed for time. But, but here's my one pick for you to do something with Gene Simmons. Would you do it? Well, fuck yeah, because it's Gene Simmons. <laughs> Well, no, I think of, like you said, when you do these, a lot of these darker riffs that you do, right? You know, there's times when he does dark stuff, God of Thunder, War Machine. I'd like to hear you guys together. You know what? I've never been a huge Kiss fan. I was into their image when I was when I was young, but not really their music so much, except maybe Destroyer. There were some things on. But there's there's a couple of things that I love, you know, Detroit Rock City and, and, and some other things. They were pretty cool. I can't remember the names of them right now, but I've heard them over the years. But I also remember seeing some live footage of Kiss in the early, at the big production, but it was still early on, and Gene would spit the blood, and the smoke would come out of his bass. He did a bass solo. And I just remember, and I'm not even a fan, but I was like, man, that is the fucking coolest, angriest bass tone I've ever heard. Yep, yep. And an act, the only time I've ever seen a cool bass solo, because, you know, bass solo should be against the law. <laughs> Unless you're Jaco Pastorius or somebody, you know, you, you, uh, you know, somebody like that. But, uh, but for rock guys, I mean, come on, you know. Uh, so, but it was actually because it was entertaining. Yep. And I and I met him, you know, a few times and back before we were, you know, previous to docking and all that. And they were kind of kind of just they were kind of wanting to discover us in Hollywood. We were they were they would come out to our shows. Him and Ace. Um, and he told me you got to change your names, and, and it's just off the top of his head. He, he renamed me John Links, <laughs> Jail. <laughs> wow. Uh, he goes, you have to change your name. You're, you know, you, you can't be George, and you can't be a rock star called George. Mm-hmm. It's not gonna work, right? And of course, then then they discovered Van Halen. They forgot about us, but but it was funny. Names. <laughs> so, so, so in ensuing years, Jeff and I have this fake band that we always toy around with called the Hollywood Glam Dolls, and we've adopted our Gene Simmons names. <laughs> which is forever rock and uh, there's another one i can't remember oh that's awesome man i wish you lots of luck with babylon it's a great album everybody needs to check it out thanks for your time thank you take care well that was great talking with george make sure you subscribe because there's lots more on the way rock on